0: The Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, national spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor, Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider.
1: All righty, thank you very much for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Tucker Milling. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Raising Pastured Poultry for profit, and our special guest here in a few minutes after the first commercial break um, will be coming on, Jeff, um, and I'll probably totally destroy his last name, so I apologize, and I believe it's going to be called uh, Wiki. Um, and we'll see how close I am to that. So uh, we'll bring him on after the first of the commercial break. But, um, you know, after doing the show for 14 years, we've we've talked and have had guests on on occasion about raising pastured poultry for profit, where there's been uh, several articles in Chicken Whisperer magazine uh, based on uh, this topic and other topics about even growing your own uh, poultry feed um, from uh, – uh, poultry scientist dr McCrae, and what does that dozen of eggs really cost what does that broiler really cost and uh, uh jeff reached out to me probably about two months ago and uh missed a couple of his emails finally we got in touch and i said yeah why don't you come on that's perfectly fine we'll uh we'll give you the mic and uh, you can share your experience with um, raising pasture poultry uh, but as jeff knows he's listened to the podcast before um, and that's kind of how he got introduced to this he knows that I'll be asking the tough questions because of, we've read all the articles from the poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists poultry nutritionists about raising poultry for profit. Um, I've uh, sold eggs to uh, restaurants uh, in the past uh, for, for actually uh, quite a while um, we've raised our own meat birds, we've experimented and even on uh, Facebook live you can go and see all the videos we did on, on raising the fast growing broilers and then the slow growing broilers and then the, uh, the uh, dual purpose breeds and and how even after raising the fast broilers we went to raise the slow growing broilers and I didn't even do the dual purpose because it wasn't even worth my time uh, after even ro- raising the slow growing broilers I was like forget it, um, it Using the uh, uh, <laughs> the dual purpose, it's not worth my time. It's not worth the feed costs. It's not an extra time for them to come. It just wasn't worth it. I didn't even do it. I said, I'm not going to waste my time and my money doing this because there's just no, no use. And um, so we provide, uh, of course, our family. I've already, and we've sold some of our uh, poultry. Uh, meat birds, and of course we still sell our eggs, and so I've got i got the tough questions for Jeff. We're gonna he's gonna tell us and share his experience, and I think I checked over on his YouTube and some of his uh, blogs and things like that, and some of the the points that he was gonna share with us today is you know how to. Um, have a poultry for profit, make six figures, and, and how to get the restaurants to buy your product, which is always great. It's always difficult at a restaurant. Reach out to me because they saw my ad on Facebook Marketplace for eggs. And they said, hey, we need eggs. How can you provide us this many? I'm like, sure, absolutely. So weekly I was going and taking eggs to uh, a local restaurant, which was fantastic. Um, and then COVID hit, and then they stopped their breakfast service. Um, but I had thankfully had plenty of other you know, private customers. Uh, to do that, so uh, but so so I'm I'm I've dilly dallied in that a little bit, and and and, and we're, I'll ask him the tough questions. That's what we're all about, and he knows that because he's been listening to the show for some time, and we always do because uh, we can learn, and hopefully he'll have answers and suggestions for us to try to get through the things like okay, well, did you factor in fuel mileage going to get the feed, and and, and how do you deal with the extra feed costs nowadays, and, and then and then your times were something. I mean, do you want to make one dollar an hour? Do you want to make thirty dollars an hour? Uh, based on that uh, what about insurance do you have do you pay an insurance company for insurance in case someone gets sick with your product um, let's let's you know I'll ask him about insurance costs and what he pays for insurance to protect him protect his farm um, you know property taxes have to be factored into to that as well how much do you pay in property taxes based on the land you have each year that's got to be factored in uh, to all of this as well feed cost vet costs, medication cost All of that we're going to ask about versus like I know some folks will just say, oh, I raised this meat bird. I paid, you know, a dollar and a quarter for it from Ideal Poultry, and then I just sold it for, you know, $40, so I made all this money. And then they don't factor fee. they don't factor insurance, they don't factor fuel, they don't factor in their time. Okay, I spent how many hours dealing with this? How much do I have in my coops that I can write off each year? Uh, and then taxes. You know, you got to pay taxes on this. you know, thirty percent, fifty percent. Do you hire a CPA? That cost has to be factored in. So you save money and don't pay as much taxes. So I've got tons of questions for this guy that we're going to get to here in a little bit. And he's live. He's listening right now. And so uh, hopefully he's jotting down some things. Oh, I didn't know he was going to ask you that. Oh, I didn't know he was going to ask you that. ooh. I'm going into the fire pit here. He's going to ask me all these questions, but I'm giving him a little heads up because those are the questions I want to know because we want to make it realistic. How much do you, can you really make at the end of the day after coop costs and feed and insurance and taxes and, and, and paying an employee or paying yourself uh, and then, of course, taking taxes out of that? So we, we want to hear the real nitty gritty, the real deal versus just I paid a twenty five for this chick. I sold it for 60 bucks. Look how much money I made because that, my friends, is false advertising. So it's going to be a great show. I'm really looking forward to it. When I go to commercial break, get that pen and paper out, because I'm sure I will learn a lot. I'm sure you will learn a lot, and we're ready to hear about raising pastured poultry for profit. And I'm going to share something else with him. I I, I haven't talked to him firsthand just through email, so I don't know if he's going to say free range. I don't know if he's going to use chicken tractors, uh, because I know there's a pastured poultry farm down in Brunswick, Georgia. I think it's in Brunswick, Uh, and we've done (laughs) several stories. We even had them on the radio show where they were doing pastured poultry, and they were losing literally thousands of birds in a week. Thousands. It's not an exaggeration. You can Google the story uh, to, due to bald eagles that took uh, a, a homage uh, to, at their uh, poultry farms. They are literally losing thousands of birds to predators as well. That's going to affect the bottom line. So, man, I've got so many questions for Jeff. It's going to be a great show. I'm going to go to commercial break. Stay with us. Get that pen and paper ready. When we come back, we'll be talking about raising pastured poultry for profit. We'll see how much profit we can make doing it Jeff's way. I'm anxious to hear. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this break. When you need an incubator, think Brentsy, the incubation specialists. Frenci has been a world leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high quality electronic and digital controls including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at brensie.com. That's b r i n s e a.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937.
0: Backyard chicken owners are loving ChickFresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use ChickFresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. The Yardbird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in just 15 seconds. Powered by a 1.5 horsepower electric motor, the Yardbird Chicken Plucker can handle two eight-pound birds at one time, while the built-in irrigation ring keeps your hands free for other butchering tasks. The 20-inch stainless steel drum features 110 rubber plucking fingers that gently remove feathers and dirt without tearing the skin. When butchering is complete, the plucker rinses clean with just soap and water. To learn more or purchase your plucker, visit YardbirdPluckers.com. Since
1: 1921, Stromberg's has been a family owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers.
0: And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider.
1: All righty. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by our good friends over at Tucker Milling Feeds right over the uh, Georgia and uh, Alabama border, and that's where we get all of our feed. And it was a very interesting story how I got associated with them, um, and many of you know that. So... Uh, Go check out some of our older podcasts and figure out why I use their feed for all of our livestock here on the homestead. All Without further ado, I'm going to head over to the phone lines. I've got uh, – um, let me see if I've got an updated email. I'm not sure which number he was calling in from, but I'm just going to pick and choose here and see if I can guess right the first time. Probably not. And let's see if we've got uh, Jeff on the line. Hey, Jeff, are you there?
2: Hey, Andy. How you doing today?
1: I picked out the right – caller so that's perfect our, our phone <laughs> yeah, we have like it. 50 50, uh, 50 phone lines so it's like hmm, and then we get some callers want to call in and, and listen on the phone maybe they don't have internet access and things like that so i'm like ah, i'm just going to take a wild guess and see if this one's it so great and you're sounding loud and clear which is great thank you very much for for uh, for, for that sounding good and speaking loud and we're ready to uh ready to put you kind of in the hot seat if you will and uh, we're ready to learn something i know that's what the radio show is about is learning and uh, and and then we want to see how how accurate this is. If we can really do this with uh, some of the uh, bullet points that you had talked about, like you know starting with little or money out of pocket, and using this, you know, here's your income expectations and things like that. And so we want to we want to see and learn from your experience. Uh, and see how many people out there might be interested in using some of your tricks of the trade and secrets. Because I've always wanted to do this. I'm already got my birds. I've already got some pasture set up. You know, how, how can I? You know, and a lot of people, if you heard this all the time, at least you know recoup some of my feed costs with all these birds. So uh, I've hear that a lot. So, uh, but apparently we can do a little bit better than that. So we're we're open ears and notes are ready, and uh, you can share your story and and uh, share some tricks
2: of the trade with us, bud. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, first of all, you know, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. It's good to be able to contribute and give back a little bit because uh, you've done so much, um, you know, for me personally. You know, the podcast has been very helpful um, uh, in learning about tips how to raise poultry and nutrition and things like that. So, so yeah, happy to be on here and, and hopefully give back a little bit. Fantastic. Um so, yeah, I'm ready for your questions, man. I- I'm ready. <laughs> <To> fire <laughs> I away. You'd
1: have them, I figured you'd have them uh, all in there and, um, you know, <laughs> going down, going down. Your, and I was like, well, I'm going to give him a little heads up, and he'll have time during the break to kind of figure all this in because, um, you know, like, like, and I'm sure you run into this all the time when people say, oh, I bought this uh, broiler for 99-cent special, at, you know, ideal, and I just sold it for whatever. Mm-hmm. Look at all this money I made. And then when you start asking them questions, it's like, uh, they don't have an answer for you. You know, if you've really going to factor in all the costs and, and whatnot, not that not, obviously not that it can't be done, but we just want to learn how to do it better and how, how realistic, how much can we really, really make. So I guess the first thing is, you know, um, you got to have that land. I know you can do obviously poultry on the small scale, small land. We've done it before. Um, now we've got 13 acres, but you know, it's, you've got land and then, um, some people may not. How much land are you, in your, in your, for the show today, and again, we've only got you know, 45 minutes, but you know, how, how much land do you recommend to, and I, that's going to vary based on, I guess, your profit, how many birds you can have on what land and things like that, but what kind of acreage are we looking at to kind of implement your plan?
2: Yeah, that's the reason I love uh, pasture poultry so much is because you can be very profitable on a small scale um mm-hmm. we started out or when i started the farm about six years ago we were just farming on about two acres um mm-hmm. and we we're doing primarily meat birds and we quickly mm-hmm. outgrew that fortunately i was lucky and this is one of the one of the ways we were able to save a lot of money is i had a neighbor that had about a, mm-hmm. it's about six acre field and he wasn't doing anything with it it was just kind of sitting there and he wasn't doing much mm-hmm. with it and i approached him and said hey can i I go, what are you doing to your field? He said, not much. And I said, could I bring my, my birds over? He said, no, no, I'm, I, you know, we might have plans for it in the future. And I said, okay. And I, you know, I tried to uh, explain to him the value of it. And I said, you know, they would add fertility to your soil and, and mm-hmm. you wouldn't have to cut the grass because that's pretty much all he did was mow it from time to time. And, and, and I saw him a couple of weeks later and um, just said, hello. And um, he approached me and said, if you want to bring your birds over, go right ahead. And so we moved all of our birds over there. And so we, essentially leases uh, land for free at, you know, I told him I'd be happy to pay him whatever he wants, he Said, no, I'm just happy to see it uh, being used. And I, I think there's a lot of opportunity um, out there that for people that do have land um, that, that, or a piece of land that is not being used, that would be happy to, to offer that uh, for, for a little, um, for a little amount of money. Um, so that was a great situation that we happened upon. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, um, even if you don't have a situation like that, you can do this on very small scale. So, um, I actually, um, broke down, um, did an example the other day. Um, uh, so looking at what we can generate per acre, um, we can do, we can generate about fifty two fifty two thousand $52,000 net, um, that's after taxes and expenses on only three acres, um, and so that's our take home. And so that's that's pretty good. You know, that's a thousand dollars a week. And so we can we can do this on a small scale. Um, we're currently farming about seven acres, um, mm-hmm. and we're going to grow close to 175,000 this year. Um, and that's strictly meat birds. Meat birds. So okay. So. Um
1: netting like i said 175 and that's on three acres and just using the meat birds okay well, how many how acres.
2: Many, yeah the one yep oh so, so
1: yeah it's seven acres and then 52 on the uh, i think it was three acres in that but okay mm-hmm. so and how many how many birds are we looking at probably actually getting sold in that and we'll just use this yearly figure in about a year year's time how many birds
2: yeah so um an example um of of being net uh fifty two thousand a year, that's about a hundred birds a week, so fifty two hundred birds per year. Um and that so that would figure in a, a net of uh ten dollars per bird for a hundred birds a week or a thousand dollars a week. Um, that's what we typically wholesale our birds for. Um now there and when i started the farm several years ago that was our primary outlet was we were doing wholesale and and in particular we were raising ducks uh as meat birds um was a few people doing chickens around here and 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 we started with chickens and we realized that no one was raising ducks and we saw an opportunity um Mm -hmm. we're in a southern coastal area and and of course you know ducks are happy the wetter it is right and it's flat and it's so um so they worked well for our system and um And we're also using the poultry netting system. So um,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: when we cleared the farm, we had about two acres of pine forest that we logged. And, of course, we left the stumps in there. It was uneven. Um, It was just really rough ground after we logged it and turned it into pasture. And so we couldn't really get a a chicken tractor in there. Um, And so we're doing the electric netting um, with the solar chargers. Um, The advantage of that is we can, you know, we can – adjust how much space we want to give the animals, um, which is great. So I've really been experimenting with how we can reduce our feed bill in terms of planting our own grains um, and seeding out our pastures and then allowing those – seeding them with, you know, wheat and oats and millet and these types of small grains that we then bring the poultry in and they can harvest off the stalk, Um, which is a great thing not only to reduce our feed bill but also reduce, you know, our carbon footprint and how much we're relying on on the feed mill and, and that kind of thing. Sure. So wholesale selling, I guess,
1: to the restaurant, $10 a bird, obviously, um, personal use, you know, you you may have clientele that – and I don't know, you can tell me clientele that come by and say, yeah, I want, I'll pick up three birds for this month or whatever. I'm guessing that would would increase to the just the private customer, the retail customer that, you know, like yesterday I was at Aldi's, and so you've got this probably – I don't know if it was three-and-a-half-pound bird, maybe uh, shrink-wrapped. And, of course, we all know it's gone up, but it was $6 and change. And so here we have your pasture raised. I'm I'm assuming that for that retail customer that pulls into the driveway, you're probably charging, I I wouldn't know, $20 a bird, $25 a bird, $30 a bird, because, you know, like Whole Foods, and then everybody's like, oh, I'm willing to pay whatever, you know, small group of folks. But um, do you sell any just kind of the – to the average re- what guy, lady, housewife wants to come and buy three birds a month, and then I guess that, that can increase your profit doing it that way a little bit.
2: Absolutely. Um, so prior to COVID, we were doing about 98% wholesale, so $10 was our average um, profit per bird. Um, when COVID hit and all the restaurants shut down, we were kind of like, hey, we got to do something different here, and, and we kind of need to pivot because we had a freezer full of, of birds, and we couldn't sell them. Um, and so we started doing farmer's markets and doing more direct consumer and mm-hmm. selling through our online store. Um, and, of course, we can charge a little bit more when it's retail, direct to consumer. Um, mm-hmm. We charge, when average, our, our ducks are pretty high. They're pasture-raised mm-hmm. ducks, and we charge approximately 40 to $45 uh, for duck retail um, for a whole bird. And what we found is not a lot of people eat ducks every day or on a regular basis like they would mm-hmm. chicken. Um, so it was definitely a niche product. And so we were trying to figure out, hey, what's the way we can really uh, reach customers, increase sales, and, and hopefully increase our, our profit margin? And, and so one thing we did was really started focusing on value-added products. And mm-hmm. so that same bird, if we break that down into various value-added products, we can net instead of ten dollars a bird wholesale i can net from 50 to 70 dollars a bird net profit after expenses which sounds crazy but we can retail that bird the gross oh, for over a hundred dollars um and the way we do that is we do value-added products so we utilize a lot of those parts that you normally wouldn't utilize so think mm-hmm. if you part out a bird um you have those bones left over well we can mm-hmm. turn that into bone broth um, yep. we have the heads and the feet that are usually a hard sell we can turn those into pet treats um sometimes the bones will grind and make a pet food out of as well um and then some of the other parts we have um we can take and make you know custom charcuterie and sausages and things like this that have a much higher value um, Mm -hmm. which don't take a lot of extra effort on on my part um and so basically we have a commercial kitchen a little commissary that i use that's uh, uh you know, approved by the health agency. Mm-hmm. And so we can do some of these value-added products. And when you look at going from $10 a bird to making 40 or 50 or $60 a bird, you know, that's mm-hmm. a 5, 6x increase in profit. And all it takes is an extra four or five hours in the kitchen each week. Um, you know, you, you think about all the time you, you got. put in raising your birds and doing everything you do. To put an extra mm-hmm. four or five hours, the 6x your, your profit at the end of the year mm-hmm. is, you know, that's a no-brainer. You know, it's definitely something worth worth doing yeah every part of the i mean you got folks that'll eat the livers and the gizzards
1: you got fishermen Mm -hmm. that'll want obviously the the livers but folks all the time will eat uh livers and gizzards so you've got that aspect of it and yeah the feed and, and the heads as well you know um a lot of that can be used even even a lot of folks will buy feathers i've seen for i don't know uh dream catcher, making, you know, just about anything. You know, I'm, a lot of times people like, hey, what are you going to do with the feathers? Going to have the feathers when you're done with them? I don't ask what they're going to do with them, but that's fine. And um, I, I know probably, God, it may have been three or four or five years ago there was a company that was making chicken nuggets out of chicken feathers and it got news all over the country hmm. for about, about a week or so. And then that kind of went away. But so I don't know if they're still in business or still doing that or not. But I remember sharing the post <laughs> on our Facebook page about, you know, uh chicken feathers company putting chicken feathers to use. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Getting that extra dollar of whatever you can get out of, uh, uh, out of, out of that bird uh, totally makes sense. And so um, let's move on to, now feed because you know some folks will be like, well, I say feed because I buy directly from the feed mill, or I just I find it easier and cheaper just to buy the bag feed, or sometimes we'll grow our feed, but then that's going to take so many acres of land and growing and tractors and all that kind of stuff, and then of course to make it you know nutritionally balanced, you got to buy that that uh, um, uh, pack and add in, really if you're going to do you know get all the uh, methionine lysine things that you know these healthy birds need, so a lot of people don't go down that route, but Let's talk about, you know, obviously feed costs. Everybody knows broilers eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and so uh, food costs kind of plays into that. And then we'll talk about, don't, let me forget, I pin I, I fell on the floor, but like breeds that you raise because like when I said earlier, I was like we did the good old Cornish Cross, and we're talking like a huge eight-pound bird and um, – you know, seven weeks we can process, maybe maybe eight, but seven weeks. And then we went to the slower growers, some some red broilers, and uh, just like, oh, my gosh, you know, this isn't worth my time. And, and then we'll process them. And I'm like, I put them on the good old Showtime rotisserie with a little salt and pepper. And I can't tell a difference in taste. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to do a slow grower. I'm not going to waste my money or my time. Because I've learned enough doing the slow grower, so we'll get to that in a minute based on breed choice. Uh, but let's talk about feed. Feed cost obviously has got to be up there, even though we're free ranging. We know in most cases, at least from the poultry nutritionist, that they're probably not getting enough to be a good, healthy chicken. Um, just free ranging and with meat birds, um, I, I find that you know probably difficult as well. So let's talk about feed and what you feed. Feed cost. You just use a regular pellet, a crumble. Or you buy from a feed store. Let's talk. Let's get into feed here a
2: little bit. Yeah. Um, So a couple aspects on feed is um, when we designed the farm, we really wanted to make a regenerative farm. And so as part of a regenerative farm, we want to be successful. We want to be profitable. But also important to me was how we we raise our poultry. And so we wanted Mm -hmm. to, as part of a regenerative farm, we want to minimize our inputs as much as possible. Um, Feed being one of the biggest inputs, um, we knew that there's opportunities out there. and, and, And there's lots of things that I have tried. And we have um, had, you know, some success trying different things. Um, We have tried using uh, a local brewery and using their spent grains. um, Mm -hmm. And that works, although we have found that those spent grains are mostly fiber, um, because when they do the brewery process, um, they extract a lot of the carbohydrates and the sugars out of that grain. So it really isn't providing a whole lot of uh, calories to our poultry, although it Mm -hmm. does... You know, put something in their stomach and give them some fiber. Um, so, you know, a very small amount of brewery grain we can add to their feed. Uh, we also want try to recycle anything we can. So, we have built, um, and I'm sure you've you've seen these uh, the black soldier fly bins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, so we we'll, we'll you know take our dead birds, our, our kitchen scraps, things of that nature, put them in a black soldier fly bin, grow those maggots. And we put that in the netting with the birds so that when those, those larvae, those maggots hatch out, um, the birds can self-harvest those as well. Again, these are things that are great on a small scale, but take a lot more, um, you know, a lot more uh, work and, and technique, I guess, if, when you're trying to scale it up to a larger scale. Um, one of the biggest things we do is seeding out our pastures, as I described before, so putting out small grains. And I think there's a real big opportunity, um, to do this especially when you get to some of the larger breeds such as turkeys and geese and we know that geese can can subsist off of grass alone uh, and don't really need any grains and and turkeys can as well because they have a very strong um, uh, crop and so they're able to maximize what they can forage for better than a smaller chicken or or duck can so um, one of the goals of this year is to really um, really uh Expand on that, and try to see what we can get away with as far as um, reducing our our feed usage um but to answer your question, we do purchase from a local mill um, we buy in bulk um they have a three ton minimum, and um one of the things I found out when starting the farm was i, I spent a lot of money i mean i went I went far in debt, you know trying a lots of different things, and not both with poultry and trying other different things on the farm we raised we grew vegetables, we were raising pigs. We even farrowed pigs on the farm to sell to other farmers. I was doing pasture mm-hmm. poultry, eggs, all kinds of things. And I really um, you know, spent about seventy five thousand dollars on in, in debt and, and fortunately I was still working time off the farm at the time so I could still pay the bills, but it was it was a tough a tough place to be in and, and so one of the things we finally honed in on was we really needed to figure out how to minimize our expenses, have a plan, not waste money on distractions and things and, and minimize our debt. And so, and, and I'm going to get back to feed here in a second. It's kind of taking a long, long route. But one of the ways in which we want to do that and minimize our debt is to kind of build our own infrastructure. And so one of the things that we have built is um, a storage bin for bulk feed. So when we buy bulk feed by three times, we can get a much better deal versus buying it by the 50 pound bag at the, at the farm store. Um, and so we can pay, I think we, we pay about 22 cents a pound for our bulk feed, um, and we order that three three to six tons at a time i have what is called an ibc tote you know those big large 300 Mm -hmm. gallon um water tanks and so we take the lid off we can have the feed truck auger that directly into one Mm -hmm. of those totes. and then at the bottom i've cut a door with a little trap door where we can um uh, just let the the grain flow into a bucket through gravity and Mm -hmm. We can store about 12 to 1500 pounds of feed in each one of those totes, and now we have seven of them. Um, and so, that really saved us a lot of money as far as our infrastructure, um, because I can build one of these feed totes. I can buy one used for about 50 bucks, put another 25 dollars of hardware in, and for you know 75 80 bucks, I can store you know 12 1500 pounds of feed. Thousand dollars on a on a large grain silo on the farm. Um, And so that's one way we're able to scale up, and we can gradually increase um, our infrastructure and scale up uh, very affordably.
1: Yeah, we've used those for (laughs) several different things, uh, dog houses and Mm -hmm. hog houses and things like that uh, here. So, yeah, those are fantastic, and you can find them for a really pretty good deal. Yeah, Sawzall
2: works great on those things. Yeah, we use them for all kinds of stuff. I always find new uses for them. They're great. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep, absolutely. Okay, so we got got kind of the feed situation there going for folks. Now, do y'all, um, so you use the kind of the electric fence we see, which which of course uh, I'm guessing like uh, what is it, Premier One, that that style, whether it's their brand or not, uh, that it's electric fence, and that's not really to keep the chickens in, is to keep the predators out, but it doesn't do anything right. for aerial predators. So, how do uh, y'all have right. any? Losses due to hawks, uh, owls at night, do they go into a specific tractor or coop at night to pre- prevent night predators? Or So basically the next is kind of a, before we get into breeds, is um, uh, area predators, predator loss, and then at nighttime, is it did the birds get corralled into a, a, a coop or something like that or a tractor?
2: Yeah, um, predator loss has been probably the biggest challenge that I've had on the farm Um <laughs> we have you know like you said we do the electric netting and that works pretty well for keeping any four-legged predators out in the mm-hmm. raccoons out every now and then we'll have a fox dig underneath or a dog jump the fence or charge it or something like that um mm-hmm. but that's more infrequent than than common um but the aerial predators absolutely um you had mentioned earlier you were talking about the farm in, in georgia having bald eagle um mm-hmm. issues we had the same problem i had a a pair of nesting bald eagles above our, our field and, and they were eating ducks every night. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't know what to do. You know, you, you can't shoot them. They're fairly federally yeah, protected right. species. And you know, I also kind of understand they need to eat too. Um, so we got geese. Um, the geese work pretty well and I found that the best, uh, number of geese is to get either one or a lot. Um, mm-hmm. one goose works pretty well to protect them. They kind of protect them as their own young. Um, if you have a lot of geese, you know, 40 or 50 geese, then they make a whole lot of racket and a big disturbance, and that usually keeps the prayers away as well. They work great for hawks, um, your smaller rafters during the daytime. still get some losses to owls at night, um, and but they work pretty well for the hawks. I think an ideal situation, I would have either a locked-up pen during the evening, you know, at night to put them mm-hmm. in. Or a livestock guardian dog.
1: Um, you're not going to go there. Yep. We
2: haven't got. We haven't gone there with a livestock guardian uh, guardian dog. I know that would be ideal. Um, but we do have a small acreage. We have neighbors nearby, and and so uh, the challenges of keeping a dog contained and, and not barking all night and upsetting neighbors would be a little bit of a challenge, especially because we're leasing land from a neighbor. Um, mm-hmm. So we haven't approached that yet, but that would be the ideal situation. We do have some high predator losses. We average about a bird a day, um, Mm -hmm. and most of the time we don't find them. And a lot of times they just go missing, and then we count the birds at the end of the harvest, and we're like, hey, we're Mm -hmm. missing a few. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's because a lot of young ones are getting taken. Um, But we factor that in. So if if we were doing a very small quantity, um, you know, we're raising 50 birds, it would be tough. Um, they'd all probably be gone by the end of the eight weeks, you know, with the system that we're doing. But if we're doing 500, 800, 000 birds, well, then if we lose 50 birds, it's not such a big impact on our bottom line. Um, and we factor that in. And so one way that we minimize our, our, our losses, essentially, is we, um, I keep a flock of birds, of laying birds, and we hatch all of our own birds on farm. Um, mm-hmm. So we keep a flock of uh, we raise jumbo pecans on the farm and, and we'll, you know, talks about breeds in a minute, but we'll, we'll, we'll collect all those eggs. I have males with the females, so they're fertilized. We incubate and we hatch all of our birds on farm. And it's because we're doing that, you know, instead of paying four or $5 uh, for a duckling, mm-hmm. a day old duckling, um, mm-hmm. we can reduce our cost to a dollar or two because we're mm-hmm. we're hatching all of our birds. So, so that helps when we have those losses, it doesn't hurt as bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: And, um, So you're hatching all you're hatching your broilers too, or just the ducks right now?
2: Um, So we're we're raising just uh, ducks, yeah, and that's what we're hatching
1: on farm. Oh, so just ducks right now, not not any broilers, right? Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so ducks. Okay, and um, I think you mentioned the breed of duck, but I didn't catch that because I was more
2: ready for the broilers.
1: Oh, um, so that that's like the Aflat duck,
2: the white duck with the orange bill. Yeah, the white duck. Yeah, trying yeah. to breed. Um, we, you know, and like you said, um, you know, if if you're gonna do this, you can do this. If you're going from and you want to make a profitable farm, you want to make a living doing this. You know, farming's tough. There's so many things out of mm-hmm. our control. And you really need to give yourself the best edge you possibly can. And there's a lot of these dual-purpose breeds and things like that, which are fantastic if you're doing it on a homesteading level or you just want to feed your family. But if you want to try to be profitable at this, you you need every edge you can get. And so um, I actually put together a little report, um, which people can get. It's free. Um, They just go to farmingtribe.com backslash chickenwhisperer. And um, it has a report of of the the best – breeds uh both chicken and duck breeds for meat and egg production and and so what we like to use is um uh for our meat production um is our jumbo pecans and you know some of the key factors is you want to look at um how large that that bird is at harvest you know how many days to harvest and also their feed conversion ratio, so how much they're eating uh to tell you how much feed you're going to be purchasing to, to grow that bird um Ducks are, are a little bit finicky because we have to process them right between seven and eight weeks. Uh, unlike a chicken, you can, you know, if if your chickens are a little bit small, you can, you can raise them for an extra week or two, you know, you can grow them to nine or 10 weeks until you harvest them, um, and get a little more meat on them if you'd like. Whereas ducks, you have to catch them right during that, during that molting period. Um, and so we don't have much of a choice as far as pushing them to a larger age. So we need a, a bird that can grow large very quickly. Um, there's some other breeds. There's a hybrid, which they call the Grimaud hybrid uh, duck, which is a Pekin hybrid. And um, so a lot of people do use those successfully. Um, we found in our situation that we get about a half a pound uh, larger carcass weight on our, on our Jumbo Pekins versus the Grimauds, the hybrids. Um, and that's significant um, when you look at, you know, the cost of you know, the bird, the, the feed, um the processing everything um that half a pound can make a big difference um so that's what we like to raise um we've also experimented a little bit with Muscovies. um they're great i love Muscovies. They have, they have a really great foraging ability they do great in our pasture environments and you know planting out different forages for them and but the one thing about Muscovies is um and you probably know this is that the females are much large, or are much smaller than the males at maturity And it's really hard to sell, you know, a three-pound bird and make it work. Uh, You know, when the females average three and a half pounds and the males are seven pounds, um, it's hard to, when you're raising them for meat, to just sell the males, um, which, of course, is what everybody wants, those large birds, especially restaurants and things like that. Um, And so now we're actually, um, with our laying flock, we've mixed in some Muscovies, and, and that's one thing we're experimenting with this year is to see if we can do a Muscovy-Pekin uh, hybrid and do, you know, a mule duck or a mular duck. And um, that should give us more consistent weight um, when you look at the different sexes between male and female. Um, so we'll see how that turns out.
1: Okay, fantastic. The next topic, because I don't want to run out of time, I want to cover as much information as I can. We covered breeds. Uh, processing. I'm assuming you do your own processing. Um and i'm nope. assuming here you don't you don't so you, you take your birds somewhere to get processed yeah
2: we were doing our own processing in the beginning um ducks are quite a challenge we're we're, mm-hmm. we're processing our own chickens and we do turkeys as well on the farm and so we do mm-hmm. generally process our own turkeys for thanksgiving but but ducks they they have so many more feathers than a chicken does it's a waterproof mm-hmm. chicken and it's really hard to get it clean and do it well and um I, I just realized early on if we were going to scale this up and, and particularly when we were doing a lot of wholesale um I wouldn't going to pay somebody good money to do a really good job that has the proper equipment to do it uh, that could do it well um we've done them before um but we we now take them to a processor the advantage the other advantage of doing that it, it's costly you know it it costs mm-hmm. quite a bit of money to take them to the processor but um but the advantage of that is is we can sell across state lines so we can ship our products um mm-hmm. We can also do some other products that our state exemption wouldn't allow, like, you know, for example, like doing different flavored sausages and further processing that, that our state mm-hmm. exemption wouldn't allow for on-farm processing. Um, so, so yeah, so we take them to a processor, and that's definitely by far our, big, our biggest expense.
1: Got it, this processing. So, yeah, you at 22 cents a pound for feed. I can see how processing would be. Um, now, let's factor in... Let's say we've got the land, we've got the feed, we're breeding our own, we're incubating our own, so we've got the ducks coming in, we pay for processing, um, and then we need to kind of talk about uh, what you wanted to talk about, I think, was kind of marketing, advertising, getting that restaurant to actually, you know, kind of buy from you. I don't know if there's, a, depending on where you live, like um, where we used to live a long time ago, it was like, Higgly Wiggly. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it's middle of rural area, you, you talked about they wanted chicken fingers for you know a dollar nineteen a pound because it was just to say a very poor area. Before we moved there, we lived in John's Creek, the most you know expensive zip codes in the uh, in the state of Georgia. you had the Whole Foods, you had the Trader Joe's, you had all of that you know uh, backyard eggs are going for six seven bucks you know that type of thing different situation so I'm guessing all this factors in based on where the person lives and what what they can get out of their product and things like that but um, how how do you recommend the folks who are now taking notes so now I've got this stuff how do I get the restaurant to be interested in it. You know, it's obviously it'll probably be the the hip and trendy, the, you know, the organic or the expensive restaurants in a little area of town that's been revamped. Now it's all hip and the people want this kind of stuff versus, you know, because you see it, I see it, everybody listening sees it. You know, um, even around here now in kind of a rural area, people are like, we sell ours for $4 a dozen, our eggs, for example. Like $4 a dozen, you know, but in Johns Creek, we could sell them for six or seven. And that's, you know, 45 right. minutes down the road. So um, it, it's all different. So, and for people listening, obviously, it will be different from where you live. But you have maybe wanted to share kind of how to get that restaurant or those restaurants, how to find those restaurants and encourage them to buy your product.
2: We'll touch on that Yeah, a bit. so um, certainly, yeah. So where we're located, we're in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, it's really a, a, a local food hub hub. Um, um, there are a lot of uh, an awful lot of really nice restaurants in the area, um, so that is our advantage. And so I've approached and 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 worked with um, over fifty restaurants over the years and chefs, and and that has been great. Um, and so I actually will just approach a restaurant, and the way I do it is I'll go there first. Of all, you, you need to be kind of selective of where you go, right? Um, if if you're selling, you know, if, if we're selling a duck, you know, for you know, $35 wholesale, um, and I'm not going to go to a restaurant that has a, you know, a $7, you know, duck club sandwich special. It's, it's just not going to work. You know, I know that right mm-hmm. off the bat. Um, so we, we, you know, I, I try to approach those restaurants that either have um, a history. I can look online, learn a little bit about the restaurant, see if they have a history of working with local farmers. Or you know see that they have um, you know they're, maybe they're a little bit higher end their 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 entrees are a little bit higher priced and know that that they can make uh, a higher priced um, small farm item work on their menu and then I'll approach them and and I usually will give them a sample and I'll, I'll have a little spiel um, you know telling about the farm and, and let them try it and um, and through trial and error I've I've gotten better mm-hmm. at, at that at that approach mm-hmm. in the beginning. You know, we gave away a lot of stuff and and either didn't hear anything back or got a lot of no's. Um, I think the one, the biggest key is is following up. Um, I had one chef that we worked with um, and I gave him a sample and I knew he had worked with a lot of local farmers and and he loved it. And I sent him emails and I called him and I left him voicemails and never responded. And then finally I was like, well, I'll just try him one more time. And um, I gave him a call one day at lunchtime and answered and i said hey just wanted to follow up with that that sample we gave you what'd you think he said oh yeah i love it and i said okay um you know would you like to try some on the menu he said yeah bring me 30 next week um (laughs) i was like okay you know where was this what i've been calling you and emailing you for weeks you know but he just you know they just they get busy like everybody else It's, it's you know not front of mind um so so following up is key um and um you know, I, I actually have a, a template that I wrote that, that is an actual, you know, word for word, this is what I say to people, and it's been pretty mm-hmm. effective. I'm about 50% effective now when I approach restaurants and, and follow that template, and, and so part of what I'm trying to do is teach other people how to be successful, how to have a regenerative farm, how to be successful in raising pasture with poultry, and I've put together an online course to do that, um, and they can find it at courses.successfulfarms.com um, if they're interested, and in, they can just reach out to me, but um, but you know, wholesale was a big, big part of that and, and this area. And, and there's a lot of stuff that really got that going. Um, now if you're not in the area, you know, such as Charleston has a lot of buying and restaurants and that's okay. We've, we've done even better at the retail market. Um, I would find a metropolitan area, um, mm-hmm. an area where there's got a thriving market that gets a lot of foot traffic, uh, that has a lot of customers that are, they're that willing to pay, um, you know, Mm -hmm. um, for for good farm-raised, high-quality food. And and we do so well at those farmer's markets that we're not doing or not taking on any new wholesale customers. In fact, we've only got a few now that we're still working with that we've been working with for a long time. And we're just doing the direct consumer at the Mm -hmm. farmer's market. We started with one local farmer's market, and that did pretty well. Um, And then uh, we now do three Saturday markets. Um, so I have two other, uh, folks that, that work those markets and those are, um, one is a two hour drive north of me and the other one is a two hour drive south of me. Um, and so we do those three markets simultaneously on a Saturday. I have, have folks that are at the market, they get paid on a commission style basis and, um, because there's no way I could do three markets, right? And so those are three, mm-hmm. um, popular metropolitan areas and the way we make that work is I will, um, I will give them enough product to last uh, the employee, you know, a good three to four weeks. And so just every three mm-hmm. to four weeks, I have to drive down, resupply them, and then they're good for three weeks at the market. Uh, and that works really well. Um, the markets have been very good to it.
1: Yeah, the retail, I can see that. those
2: value-added products.
1: That finicky, because even it's, it's funny. I'll share this story. Then I got to go real quick commercial break. Just the two or three lines, but um, I can remember even when this kind of hip and trendy restaurant, who you know, you walk in, and they're talking about you know advertising. We buy local; local's important to us. Da, 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 and you know, trying to get that consumer to come in and buy their uh, their food, and they act like, oh, this is so important and all this stuff, and we value this and whatnot. But at the same time. You know, even though they claim on all the signs for the consumer walking in the door says, "Oh, we love local, we buy local, la 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 la," they'll mm-hmm. still like they don't want to pay for it. So even then, I'm like, you know, right. what? Well, what's you know? Well, you take two dollars a dozen, and they're like, wait a minute, look at all, look at around, look at all the signs. You value this, but yet you only want to pay two dollars a dozen. You know, so we got to We got to come. You know, so I, I, yeah, even I found that even the restaurants that are, you know, the the hip and trendy and value all the, oh, yeah, naturally, you know, locally grown, all this stuff. But then they'll be like they don't seem to want to value it when it's time to pay for it. Um, right. they will be like two dollars a dozen. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Um, and I'm delivering it here to you. And it's about a 25 minute drive. Not happening. So I thought you valued this stuff, you know. So yeah, you're going to have if you want your customer to fork out for it. Guess what? You're going to have to fork out for it. So I found I found that to be kind of humorous to add to my block of stories that just because you walk yeah. in in the restaurants, you know, then you, I'm sure you deal with that a lot more than I do. And you're just, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, you just you claim
2: you value this to your customers, but I don't. I see now that you really don't. You want to pay two dollars? Yeah. For for. for <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And not all the chefs, you know, as much as they're farm to table and we want to support local farmers, not all of them, <laughs> you know, will will we'll pay that kind of price. And they'll say, you know, at the end of the day, the restaurant has to, has to make a business, and I get that. Um, and yeah. not all of the chefs see the value in that. And, and sometimes w- I have to do a little bit of education for the chefs too. You know, after having worked with a lot of restaurants, I really know uh, – uh, I've gotten a, a sense of kind of what they can do with a, with a bird and, and how they can prepare it and, and what they can charge for it. And so sometimes I have to tell them, well, if you use utilize the whole bird and you do this and you make a sauce out of the bones and you do – you know, and you, 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 you know, instead of – you maybe serve a little bit smaller portion so you can get four entrees instead of two out of this um, – then I can kind of describe to them and they can see, okay, now the numbers are making sense, you know, and, and they can make it work, you know, paying a little bit more for, for my product versus, you know, commercially raised one. And then, you know, sometimes they'll also see the fact that there's some value in saying, hey, we, lose, we use locally raised, you know, pasture raised poultry. Um, they see some value in that, and, you know, the customer sees some value in that. And, and sometimes they're they're both the chef and the customer want to pay a little bit more for that, Um but not always, you know. It, it depends right. on the individual. For
1: sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I learned that too. It's kind of it kind of eye opener for me. Like, no, wait a minute. This is supposed to be important to you, and yet you're trying to lowball me on my, you know, pasture raised eggs. So, um, hang mm-hmm. tight for just a second. I'm going to go to a real short commercial break, and we're talking with Jeff, talking about raising pasture poultry for a profit. Great information so far. Hope you're taking lots of notes. And we come back. Don't let me forget. Uh, I want to get all the connections out there on the podcast where you can get in touch with Jeff or or get these reports that he's talking about or uh, follow his YouTube, different things like that that he does. So uh, you can learn even more than just this uh, kind of 45 minutes of information what we're doing. But uh, stand by. We'll be back right after this short break.
0: Strong Animals uses plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Our daily snacks, water additives, and coop refresher products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to promote digestive health and immunity. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals products. Available at local farm stores across the country and Amazon. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today to learn more. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg
1: layer, This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us.
0: Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving ChickFresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider.
1: All thank you very much for uh, staying with us. Also, one more to uh, speak in here is that uh, if it's an hour drive to your favorite little local mom-and-pop feed store and you need some shavings and you're in town, just go ahead and stop by the big Wally World and pick up some American Wood Fibers. They've got carry both the... Uh, cedar shavings and of course the good old pine shavings there at the Walmart produced by American Wood Fibers and they're doing a lot of stuff over on Chewy and they're doing a lot and throwing a lot of money into research on uh, odor control shavings and infusing a lot of that odor control, uh, control shavings. Um, we've tested them now going on for four years. I've got a 55 gallon drum out there of some new shavings. I think they're produced out of paper that have been infused with some odor control that we're going to be using in a brooder uh, this spring. So uh, check them out. I know Ingles also care their product and actually some of your mom and pops may carry it as well and so uh, check them out American Wood Fibers we thank them for being a sponsor alrighty we need to kind of get over here and wrap it up we've really got about four minutes and I know we've talked about uh, with Jeff uh, the breeds they use mainly ducks uh, the processing the feed cost um, uh, kind of some numbers that he's kind of tossed out, uh, how to get, you know, restaurants on board. And I shared my experience, like, you know, be prepared that a lot of them or some of them aren't going to want to pay either, even though they claim locally grazed is uh, important It's on their menu and on the wall, but they'll still try to lowball you. Um, and I personally just kind of try to throw it back in their face. Oh, but I thought this was important to you um, and that type of thing. Um, let's talk about so you you take them to a processor so that eliminates you know I'm sure it's USDA approved packed shrunk wrap labeled all that stuff or you said sale out of state and things like that and that's that's a big portion of the cost um, of course we've got fuel taking them there we've got fuel going to the local farmers markets and I'm I'm lazy so you know I'm not big I'm not selling a big high dollar item you know so even if I priced my uh, say some eggs at you know, $4 a dozen or $5 a dozen. And even if I take, you know, 30 dozen to the, say, the local farmer's market, which would take me probably about 20 minutes to get there. You know, I'm thinking, okay, do I want to wake up at 6.30, 7 o'clock, load the cooler, get in the trunk, ride 20 minutes, sit there behind the folding table with my banner for, you know, three or four hours. Just, you know, let's see, what is it, three, four, 12, 120 bucks. Yeah. Nope, not for me. Sorry. Thanks for, thanks for playing. So that, that's me. So folks need to, and again, eggs different than, again, pasture meat. I'll go there and there'll be someone next to me that's got the, uh, you know, uh, grass-fed ground beef and, and all these, you know, big roasts and or meat or things like that. I've never done chicken, so I can't speak to that. I don't know what I would sell one of my broilers for um, at the uh, market now, around here nobody 's probably going to pay more than maybe fifteen bucks. I might squeak twenty out some some of the uh, you know the trendy folks but uh, but even then, if I took i 'd be like, okay, waking up at six thirty packing everything up, setting up my table, hanging my banner you know, i just like no nope, not going to do it." Uh, because my product, it wouldn't wouldn't deem that profitable for me and my time. So if I want to make twenty bucks an hour, then I've already I didn't even make that uh, based on my time of collecting eggs and feeding the egg. Uh, you know, so eggs I know a totally different market, uh, and ducks might be able to obviously get a little bit more than than a broiler. Um, so our listeners want to take that in mind. Broiler chickens might be a little different on your profit end than ducks, but as we wrap it up, is there anything that, that we didn't cover? Cause this has been a great show and we've learned a lot. And, um, but, oh, I know first, first let our listeners know where they can get in contact with you, follow you, Facebook, Twitter, uh, um, YouTube, all that stuff. How, how our listeners, if they have questions for you or want to get some of these reports, how they can get in touch with you, my friend.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, I would just say that um, you can reach me on – you can find me on YouTube. It's Farmer Jeff Sawicki, and that's spelled S-I-E-W-I-C-K-I. You said it right in the beginning. (laughs) Um, Right, Andy. And and as far as my uh, top breeds for for both meat and egg production, uh, you can find that on the web. It's farmingtribe.com backslash Chicken Whisperer. And that'll get you that, that free report. You just put in your email, and it will send you the report. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, hey, if you'll email that say to me. I'm wrapping up.
1: Yeah, if email that, that to me, so I'll share it on our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Absolutely. If you'll email that to me, because um, I'm gonna have to dart out here in a minute for a meeting in, in town. But yeah, and I will share it on our social media as well, so they can get that information uh, other than just the podcast. So that's yeah, email that to me, and I'll share it as well on our social media. And and then continue. Go ahead. You were gonna say something.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, I, I, my goal is to make people, um, you know, help people become, start a regenerative farm and learn how they can scale up and learn how they can be profitable doing it. I, I really think small farms uh, are the wave of the future. I think um, it, it, it helps a lot of our food uh, inequalities and, and it can help the environment and do dramatic things for, for us as a whole. And and I really think the more small regenerative farms we have, have out there, the better off we'll be. Um, and, and just one more point talking about, um, you know, you're mentioning the farmer's market and how, you know, you know, egg production may not be worth your time. And, um, mm-hmm. one thing I would, I would say is, um, whether you're raising poultry or you're, you're doing pigs or eggs or vegetables, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, farmers get the smallest percentage of the food dollar. Right. You, know, you right. think about how much hard work we put in and, and, and we take all the risk, right? If we have a failed crop mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. get a very tiny portion of that food dollar, but the restaurant, or the middleman or the grocery store gets that big chunk, right? And why is that? I think farmers should get a big chunk of your of that dollar. So, uh, you know, don't be afraid to charge what you think is right. And, you know, mm-hmm. your um, you know, your your dentist wants to do do well. I mean, we all want to raise good food that everybody can afford. And your dentist wants you to feel better. Your doctor wants you to feel better. He's doing that because he loves to do that and he wants to help people. But that doesn't stop them from giving you a big fat bill when you leave the office. So don't be afraid to charge what you need to charge and make it work for you. And, and if you're raising eggs or raising um, meat birds or raising vegetables, think about how you can add value to that product. Can you make omelets? Can you do you know, something else that you can turn that uh, product into something that you can sell for a higher profit margin? Um, and that, I think, will be your key to success. I agree. I did some quiche, and uh, what
1: else did I do? I yeah. did quiche online, and maybe, because I had all these eggs, and I'm like, hey, okay, I can make quiche, and, you know, I'd sell them for, I don't remember what I was selling a quiche for. I tried to compare it to others, you know, $15, maybe 20 for for just a basic, basic quiche, and I, I sold a few of those, but... Um, yeah I completely agree with that that 's a fantastic tip to try to see how what other things you can do with that bird instead of just selling the bird whole how many other how can you break it down into things so where you can make a, a lot more profit you know u- utilizing that bird instead of just selling it as a as a whole bird I think that 's fantastic. Um, Uh, opportunity for folks so uh well hey thank you very much jeff for coming on the show we'll have you back again because this was a great show we can talk more uh if you come across something or go into a, a kind of a different endeavor or maybe add different birds different breeds then we'll have you back on the show and we probably could do this another time and share even more information i know we didn't get to things like insurance and fuel costs and things like that but people are getting the idea that you know it can be done on on small scale and maybe we'll do that, maybe uh close to this uh late spring, early summer we'll have you back on and we'll uh dive a little bit more into this and maybe there's something new that you're doing that you want to share with others as well. So thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for everything you do, Andy. I, I appreciate everything you've contributed. So uh happy to happy to help what little way I can.
1: Sounds great! Thank you for coming on the show, folks. That's going to wrap up a, another episode of Backyard Poetry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends Tucker Milling. And uh, great show! Hopefully, you learned a lot. We'll have Jeff back on. It was a really good show, very informative, and uh, had some great tips. And uh, even though we asked the tough questions, he had answers for them. And uh, that's that's what it's all about. We want to get you the best information that we can. So hopefully, you enjoyed the show as well. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Chicken Whisperer Magazine, the digital. Elevation, absolutely free no bait and switch chickenwhisperermagazine.com uh, i think this is our seventh year of um, uh, basically producing that and you can get it in print form for nine ninety five a year and of course the online form is always free you can read every article that's ever been written chickenwhisperermagazine.com and i think that's going to do it until next week so thank you very much for tuning in today
0: This has been Backyard Poultry with The Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Tucker Milling with your host Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com, on Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening.